to another episode of Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. As I was thinking about today's class, class, show, as I was thinking about this, I was really at a bit of a loss. There is so much grief between the Kavanaugh hearings, the latest on climate change, the impending midterms. I just know so many people who are struggling to just be in the world right now. I heard someone say recently that it feels it feels like it did right after the election, that despondent, hopeless feeling, except it's different now because so many people have already been fighting for two years and it just seems like a never-ending barrage of bad, bad news. And we're, in addition to being sad and hurt, uh, we're faced with wondering if any of it really matters. Are we doing enough? Does it all even make a difference? And what can I say? I don't know. I don't have a quote from the sutras that adequately addresses this for me. I don't have enough practice, experience, wisdom to offer any particular path forward or way out other than just to breathe and to keep practicing. So today seemed like the right kind of time to talk a little bit more about meditation. Think of this as an intro to meditation or a reminder. I know for me, I still fall off the meditation wagon, but when all else fails, when I'm stuck and I don't have answers, when I don't know what to do, I sit. And does sitting provide me a divine channel to the answers? No, actually no, but it helps me practice feeling. It helps me practice being okay with pain or being okay with being unsure. And since so many of us are experiencing some level of pain, I figure let's get back into meditation together. So I want to address a couple of things up front. Why do people think they are supposed to meditate? It helps you with stress, and stress is bad. It'll help you sleep better. It'll make you happier, healthier, smarter, younger. Well, some of that is true. It won't make you magically different or better, really. We'll address that a little bit more later, but there are some real benefits. Physically, it does allow the nervous system to rest. It can help lower your blood pressure, improve your digestion, decrease pain associated with tension in the body. Emotionally, it can increase your ability to focus because that's what you're doing. You're practicing focusing. It can help you let go of circular thinking and increase your awareness of the subtleties of the interior world and the exterior world. So those are all real benefits. Why don't we meditate? Because not all of us meditate every day. And it's interesting to look at the reasons that we give ourselves why we don't. It's uncomfortable physically. It's uncomfortable mentally. It doesn't feel like it's working. I can't quiet my mind or I don't have enough time. We're going to address some of those things. We're going to address also what we think meditation is supposed to feel like versus what it actually feels like. We think meditation is supposed to feel like peaceful, calm, zen-like, and what does it really actually feel like? 
it's sometimes uncomfortable, sometimes boring, sometimes frustrating. And maybe that is really why we don't meditate. It's not because we don't have time, but it's because we think we're supposed to be having this peaceful, beautiful experience. And we're really having a frustrating, beautiful experience instead. It doesn't feel like we think it's supposed to. So let's address some of these obstacles to meditation one by one. Obstacle, I can't sit still. When we see pictures of people meditating, not only are they all zenned out, they're usually sitting in lotus position or cross-legged on the floor, perfectly straight spine, calm, peaceful face. But there's no need to sit on the floor and cross your legs that way if that's not going to work for you. You can meditate in a chair, on the couch, on a cushion. Let's go a level deeper here. Meditation, especially mindfulness meditation, is about being aware of the present moment and not escaping it. It's like building your present moment muscles. And part of being in the present moment can be a physical sensation that might be uncomfortable. So that's okay. You can be uncomfortable and sit with that and that can be part of your meditation. So of course, if you're meditating and sitting in a position that's gonna injure you, you know, why? You don't have to do that. But a little discomfort You just can consider it part of the process, part of the practice. Try going back to the breath instead of dwelling on the discomfort. Or alternately, investigate the discomfort. How precise can you be with its location and feeling? Where exactly is it? Is it hot or cold? Rough or itchy? What is itchy? Take the I hate this out of it. Take the judgment out of it. And look instead at the qualities of the feeling, the qualities of the discomfort. And a lot of times this really takes the sting out of it. Instead of thinking, oh, my hip, this sucks. I can't do this. My hip hurts. I don't want to sit like this. You could go, okay, I feel my hip, my left hip, where the leg inserts into the hip socket. I feel some heat or some tingling, that kind of thing. Life has discomforts and pain. We know this. Why not build up some coping mechanisms? Also, if it really hurts, just, you know, move. Also an option. Okay, why else don't we practice? I think the biggest one we use, we collectively use, is I don't have time. And so that's false. I mean, you, you do have time. So do I. So does everyone. This one is kind of just BS. I think it's more like fear or laziness that we disguise as busyness because busyness is more palatable a reason than either of those other two. If you are ever on social media, you have time. If you ever watch television, you have time. You can start with five to 10 minutes a day. To create a daily practice, it is really helpful to set up a particular place and time and keep those things consistent. So even if it is propped up on your couch with cushions at 7 a.m., then do it propped up on your couch with cushions at 7 a.m. That way, when it's 7.05 and you walk past your couch, you'll go, oh, I can sit for five minutes. I can do it, right? If you think in your head, I'll do it later, I'll do it sometime during the day, I'll do it when I find time, then that, that little time slot tends to just disappear. Another obstacle I can't quiet my mind, or I keep thinking, or I'm not doing it right. Look, meditation takes practice. I 
I don't actually know anyone who can just sit down and be quiet and have no thoughts. There are always thoughts. So we can just chuck that ideal out the window. Can you slow down? Yes. Can you become more aware of the thoughts that you're having? Yes. So first, I think we have to let go of the expectation of what we think it's going to be, and then we won't be disappointed. So then we can get disappointment out of the way, because that's distracting, and then we can address quieting the mind. Again, this expectation of what meditation is supposed to be, I'm supposed to sit and find all these answers, have a eureka moment, or become a better person. And it's not exactly like that. It's not magic. It's sitting down. It's sitting down and practicing having just a little bit more space in between each thought. Every single time you think during meditation, this is not a failure. This is an opportunity to say, aha, there I was letting my mind wander away with itself again. Let's come back. I'm going to do the your brain is a dog comparison here for a moment. I used to live in Manhattan on 57th Street near the park, right by Columbus Circle. And it was never not crowded. And the dog was always distracted by smells and people and footsteps and action. When we went for a walk, she was all over the place. And if you've ever tried to walk a 50-pound pit bull down a crowded sidewalk, it's not easy if she's going after every new smell and experience. So I got a dog walking trainer and this trainer, I mean, it should have been called a dog walkers trainer because all he did was train me to be disciplined. Always keep her on the same side of me. No crossing in front or behind. She could be a couple steps in front or behind me, but not either and preferably right next to me. Our goal was not to take the joy out of her life. If I wanted to give her free reign to explore and sniff and run, that's what the dog park is for. That's what playing together is for. But the walk, that was a very specific outing with very specific goals. And it required discipline. And the same is true for meditation. It's okay to let your mind wander and explore and daydream. That's creativity. That's a beautiful thing. But if your goal is to cultivate non-judgmental self-observation, to cultivate present moment awareness, then meditation too, is a very specific outing with very specific goals. This is where I pause to say thank you for listening to the show. Yogafortherevolution.org. All our past and future episodes are there, along with a way to subscribe, which is free, by the way. On social, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yogafortherevolution. Instagram is yogafortherevolution. Twitter is y underscore f underscore t underscore r. And in case you are looking for a complete distraction, I'll take a moment, just a moment to promote the fact here that I have another podcast. My husband and I have a show together where we watch the series finale of various TV shows. We watch them together and then discuss them together. The only thing is that these are usually shows he's watched religiously for five seasons, seven seasons, 10 seasons, and that I have never, ever seen. If that sounds interesting to you at all and you want to find me there, you can go to finalepodcast.com. Finale is F-I-N-A-L-E, finalepodcast.com. Or search for us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. We're also on Spotify. It's Finale Podcast, and it has nothing to do with yoga at all. Let's talk about different kinds of meditation. You don't always have to do 
mindfulness meditation. In fact, you don't have to do anything. So that's a weird phrase to say. But what I'm saying is, depending on your goals and your comfort level at any given moment, you may choose from among a variety of different kinds of meditation, each with their own benefits, which you can do alone or just prior to your mindfulness meditation practice. For example, I like to begin my mindfulness meditation with a specific anchor and then after some time, let that anchor go and simply sit. So I may start with conscious breathing exercise and then let that breathing release, let the control of that release. And then I've eased into my mindfulness meditation as opposed to just sitting down and expecting my mind to click into place immediately. And an anchor can be related to any sense or sensation. Focusing on the breath, as I said, the physical sensation of the breath. Feel the air come in through the nostrils and out through the nostrils. Notice the temperature of the air on the inhale and the exhale. Feel the breath right below your nose. All of those can be great anchors for the start of your meditation or for the full practice of your meditation. You can focus on the rise and fall of the torso as you breathe. Breathing in, the belly rises, the rib cage expands. Exhale, the belly falls. Inhale, feel the expansion. Exhale, feel the release. Become mesmerized and absorbed by the rise and fall of the breath in the body. And when the mind wanders, simply come back to the breath. What does it feel like to breathe? You can focus on sound, either by playing music, certain kinds of music, usually without lyrics, because that can be really distracting, but just focus on how the melody interplays with the backup or listening closely to the ambient sound around you, first focusing on the sounds close to you, in the room, then let the reach of your hearing expand outwards. Start to hear and identify sounds that are farther and farther away. Distant cicadas, the sound of traffic. Let your mind become absorbed by those sounds. Mantra meditation is very popular. Choosing a mantra can trip people up. It's like any decision, I guess. There's no wrong mantra, I don't think, unless your mantra is something really negative, like everything sucks or something, but I don't know why you'd want to meditate on that. But don't get tripped up on a mantra. Pick something. Other schools of thought believe differently. But I, you know, even in transcendental meditation, which is extremely popular, you're just given a mantra, so you don't even have to choose. It just takes that judgment away from it. I think the trick with having words involved in anything is that we have judgments and associations with those words. And so that can sometimes get the brain going on what the meaning of everything is, which sometimes can add a layer of beauty and complexity and sometimes can just serve as a distraction. So just keep that in mind. But the goal is simply to find an anchor, something to tether the mind and keep it from running too far away. So if you're using Satnam, then you're repeating it. And then when the mind wanders, you'll notice that you're not repeating Satnam. So it's just something to come back to. 
if you're a visual thinker, you may want to choose a guided meditation. We've done some here on the show. It's just where another voice guides you on a journey, inviting you to see and feel and imagine yourself in a specific environment or surrounded by specific colors or energies. Again, this goal is slightly different than a mindfulness meditation. If you're going on a journey using your imagination, visualizing a specific place, how it smells, what it feels like to touch it, what sounds you might hear, you're not necessarily in the present moment. That's not necessarily right or wrong. They're just very different things. A guided meditation could absolutely get you to a place of relaxation and then you get all the benefits of relaxation, lower blood pressure, increased digestion, better sleep. You may not in that case get to exercise the same be in the present moment muscles, but you will get to exercise other muscles. So everything has its specific benefits. If being still is not possible, a walking meditation could be a fantastic way to get into the practice. Thich Nhat Hanh has a wonderful perspective on this and is probably the most well-known for teaching walking meditation that helps us unite the body and mind with this purposeful moving meditation. I'll actually leave a link to that in the show notes because there's no better person to guide you in that way. All of these options are open to you and all of these are valid. Yoga postures, asana, arguably asana's original intent is to clear the body and prepare it for seated meditation. So do what works for you. Let go of the expectation of what you think it should look and feel like. If doing yoga helps you sit, then do a short yoga practice. If singing calms your mind, then sing before you sit. If dancing does the trick, then dance your heart out for one full song before you try to be still. Be gentle with yourself. Your mind will wander. That's what it does. Non-judgmental self-observation is the practice in, a, in that specific mindfulness meditation. Noticing that your mind wanders is the goal. So just notice. Here's a classic illustration from Zen Buddhism that I read recently. If you swim in a pond and stir up a bunch of dirt in the water, what do you do to get it clear again? Nothing. You just let it be. And after a little while, it clears itself. Anything you try to do to get the pond still would just stir it up again. Letting your thoughts be, you come into harmony with your thoughts. You will notice them and they won't bother you. You won't be afraid of them because you know that they will come and leave you. You won't be identified with them or let them control you. You will see you are not your thoughts. You are the space in which thoughts arise. So for me, meditation is about practicing being the space where thoughts arise. Practice being the space. Until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day. I got to you, there was nothing left. I got to you, there was nothing left.